Happy Saturday, everybody. You are listening to Tipsy Bear Radio, a conversation on how we see it. As always, you're listening to Papa Bear here with my absolutely wonderful co-host, George and Rose's baby. And we couldn't do it without the lovely direction, keeping us in our lane, our voluptuous mm. producer. Say hi, Danielle. Hi, Danielle. Mm, voluptuous. I love it. I love it. If I'm being honest, I have no idea where today's conversation is going to go. <laughs> but <laughs> I'll How does that you- compare to any other yeah, day? Um, it's because I've got um, two of our very close friends here hey. um, in studio. Let's pray I don't butcher this. <laughs> We've got Toby Anwumere. Oh, my lord. Hey. Oh, my goodness. Hey. And there's still enough white left in me. I should be able to get this one. <laughs> Brian J. Smith. Welcome, welcome to the studio, gentlemen. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, hey. Thank y'all for having us. Oh, wow. I'm excited for this. I'm excited. Can, for can I just say, and I and I mean this like from the bottom of my heart, because you know I me, mean, I don't, I'll be like giving people too much praise and shit. Is when I when these two people are in the room, they just make me smile. Mm. It's like, just a better room. It's, isn't it? it's yeah. a better room, and it's just. This joy and spirit that I come in because both have great smiles, great personalities, and they, it's not just because they're American, but they just like kind of make me feel lifted. They're just genuine, nice people. Hey, and like, that's a very rare find. But that goes both ways. So I just thank you guys for coming and being in the studio with us and recording. Mm-hmm. Taking some time, time. Yeah. having some yeah. fun with us. Damn. But it's All mutual. I mean, this is like our sort of chosen Berlin family. Yeah. Hey, oh, wow. Oh, that's so sweet. I mean, the memories that we've had at Tipsy Bear. Good <laughs> night. Oh, my oh, God. Memories. Oh. That's a whole nother podcast, baby. <laughs> and we're here for all of it. Yeah. They're, they're, able, they're able to match the, the memories made at the House of Yes. Yeah. Oh. Brunches, brunches. Yeah, it's our, yeah. it's our, it's our God, code word for um, Brian's apartment while he's uh, in Germany. Um, yes. And to to give the surprise away for those of you at home uh, that don't know who these two are, uh, you're an idiot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love you. Um, Unsubscribe immediately. Yeah, uh, Brian and Toby were both in Sense Eight, and they are currently here in Berlin due to this lovely little life event called the COVID pandemic. Uh, they've been stuck here um, doing the Matrix 4. Yeah. Love it. Uh, the Matrix 4. God. Jeez. Did you ever think? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, I, go ahead. So I, I have to touch on um, that comment that you made before. It's, I mean, thank you and it's flattering for us, but I, I think I could speak uh, for Brian. We definitely are invested in y'all because you have that same energy. I remember that night that we had a Tipsy Bear and we were kind of just doing this round robin of Spotify playlists. Oh. And then we, we all, for me, like a personal memory of mine, we all play, um, oh God, and then it goes. Whitney Houston. The Whitney Houston oh. song. Oh. Which one? It's um, Greatest Love of All. Greatest Love right? of All. Oh, and no, yes. and how everybody. From the straightest oh, to the gayest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody's just so free and comfortable around each other and the love that we've all shared with one another. It's it's not something that's casual. It's very important to me. Mm-hmm. And you all like seem to have these these similar like like investments and it's special. And we've right. been here during like the Armageddon, you know, the first wave of Armageddon. Hopefully, you know, not the worst. But it's you recognize, you know, the beauty that you think you have in yourself and other people. And that's, you yeah. know, what brings all of us together and y'all are just so it's the language of love come on you know what I mean I, I think the first time I realized that was at the the house of yes and Toby was that for the brunch right? that was for the brunch and Toby put on Anita Baker oh, oh. oh yeah Anita Baker and when I tell you my pussy just leaked sir it was and then we just we all looked at each other and was like I get you yeah. I get you. No matter where you come from, I get you. And we are going to get each other on the way into the yeah. future and whatnot. So, like, the language of love, bam, it was, like, amazing. And I even think, too, like, the nights that we had at Tipsy Bear. And, I mean, my God, you guys just made it feel like home. You know? Like, I don't know. It can be intimidating when you walk into, like, a bar. Everyone is working there. They're all friends. And, I don't know, you, you can feel a little bit 
intimidated and outside of it, but you guys always just made us feel so uh, a, a part of the place, you know. But that's because you know Americans, honey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We loud as fuck. <laughs> yeah, loud as fuck. Like the first time I came to the Tipsy Bear for the the Sunday brunch, Adam was sweeping some stuff. The bar looked like an empty blue room, and <laughs> and I was like, building it. How long have you been at Tipsy? I've been there probably about almost about a year and a half. Okay. And my first brunch, like it, during the first Sunday, I walked in and Adam and I was like, "Are you Adam?" And he was like, "Hey, my boy." I was like, "Oh, you Adam? It's Sunday. You American? I know you American. I think I'm gonna like you. Where's the dressing room at, please?" Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of like that when you get artists together, I think, and just even if you're not actively an artist, just yeah. anybody who's ever been an artist, like. You were talking about the music at brunch, mm-hmm. right? So I met Brian before I met Toby, and I met Brian at Berghain. And it's, oh. you know, we are two of those people that, yes, you go there for everything that Berghain offers, but you go there chiefly for the ability to, like, dance to that music mm-hmm. that just... Brian loves, like, dark, industrial strength. <laughs> yeah. 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 Industrial Brutal. strength techno. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's funny because this... Brian called it the this chosen family of Berlin. It's always like music based. It's always mm-hmm. yes, we have these great, wonderful, loving, deep, philosophical, ephemeral, ethereal conversations. They're all there, but we all come back to music. It's like music's the mm-hmm. buy-in. Like that's yeah. how we're all introduced uh, to one another. Yeah. Ah. Ah. So like being in Berlin, then this is your first time, Toby, right? No. You've been here before. Like ten? I feel like ten Wielen. times. Uh, many times, Wilhelm Stuckes piece is not so not like that. for work or for like just pleasure though. Both um okay both hey, um hey hey like the first time I came here was viele Seite viele Seite the viele Seite yeah many times many yeah, many viele times Seite. the first time I came here was 2016 when we were doing the second season of Sense Eight just uh, at the tail end of it and. Um, like, I mean, to go back to your thing at Berghain, I had heard of it because Brian had told me about it. He had been and his eyes have been like, you know, <laughs> widened beyond belief. And then when he starts talking about it, it's, no, really, it's, really. A, it's, it's just like a place that's no like no other. It is peerless. It is a peerless, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. even social experiment. What yeah, they yeah. do there is Completely. peerless. Yeah. People Expe- always people always say that the that door is the equalizer. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. when you get inside, you're part of the tribe. That's it. Everyone. And if you notice, like everyone minds their manners. Right. People don't like we go to a lot of clubs back in the States. Right. And like people will bump into you, knock a drink out of your hand, burn you with a cigarette. Doesn't happen there. Mm. People like dance their way through the crowd. Come on. Bergheim is one of the I think the only place I've ever been where you have, like you were saying, everything that Bergheim has. But I in the I think I've been there. 10, between 12 and 15 times, <laughs> but there's no aggression, there's no mm-hmm. violence. It's a Never. place of, yeah. of like permission. Yeah. And it's just, it, it, and with all of the like, the, the, the like tempo and like all the excitement of it, there's no, ah, there's like none of the bad, none of the calories. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? And it's, it's so, <laughs> it's a sanctuary. It's, it's pretty so much interesting. A, yeah. People none always the respect calorie. the rules. No yeah. trans fat. It's just no, trans. No trans fat, no saturated. <laughs> it's none just of that. trans. <laughs> But it's it's so it's it's powerful that everybody who gets in there, they respect the rules yeah. of it. Yeah. Ah, I don't know. It's great. I mean, it's it, it's just. I mean, we we can go on and on about Berghain and whatnot. Um, it's it is a wonderful place, and I I think what's helpful <laughs> partying at Berghain is you do kind of leave with a different view of how to act as a person. Like you party or you get drunk or you dance or you fuck or whatever it is you do in this mecca of loveliness, you do come out with, you've come out on the other side of this social experiment, you know, and I I found myself, you act like a different person. Did Brian take you for your first time? Yeah. (laughs) Yes, yes, he did. Yeah. And did you act like a couple? Because usually like... Some people you have to act if you're if you're a gay couple they'll allow you in because we like, went oh. in we also went in with like two or three other people yeah who was that um, probably Tom and Marie no I mean they're they're staples they're staples <laughs> yeah they were, they're already, already inside you might need to cut this part out but um, my manager Howard oh him? Howard right Romolo yes Romolo and I think there was one other person. I definitely remember Romolo and Howard but there was this like what's that annex were you there with a girl. 
No, oh, you, no, no, no. you definitely had that burden. <laughs> you definitely had the first time. <laughs> the first time it was just with us. But what's that place that we met Romulo at? Like pump, not pump. Oh, Soila, not Soila. All these panorama. Yeah, the uh, panorama. It was like it's the outdoor Beerhof, whatever. Oh, like the next um, door. Um, the uh, it's like the Bergheim Garden area where they do uh, and the, the hamburgers. Yes, mm-mm, like mm-mm. closer to laboratory. On yes. The right. Oh it's, gosh. It's just the beer garden. Yeah, it's, it's the beer on the garden. other side. It's where Timo used to work. Oh, I didn't know. Timo. Really? Yeah, Timo. Timo works at the outdoor beer garden for a while. Oh, Has God. Timo been on this yet? Oh, it's I called the canteen. No. The canteen. The canteen. Okay. The canteen. It's That's called it. the canteen. The canteen. Yeah, the canteen's lovely. Yeah. And we went to go get his uh, friend who works in various positions at Bergheim. Um, chiefly, he does a lot of the art in a, mm. a hollow. I guess he's like a resident artist there. Mm-hmm. He, he he made this beautiful sculpture, remember, for New Year's that one time? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. When we were doing season two of Sense8. The, um, what is it, like the stained glass, and he does a lot of the stained glass there. Yeah, and Hala, he did these nice. amazing art pieces. Um, amazing. Yes. Yeah, so that's always, where, that's always where friendships in Berlin go. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, it's, the, it's the church. Uh, it's, uh, did you guys meet on Sense8? Yeah. That's how you meant. Yeah. It always amazes me because if you ever get to run into Brian and Toby, <laughs> whether it's in Berlin or New York or Los Angeles, you guys are like brothers from another month. Hey, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you yeah. share like a brain at times. It's crazy. It's the Burkhine and the Panorama. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> It really right. is. With no. the stairs connecting Look, it. Look, hey, really like, oh, that treacherous stairs. That oh, <laughs> treacherous staircase. Oh, I've had some and experiences. I remember when I first, I remember exactly like the seating configuration was when I first met Brian and then come to find out that we grew up, although not in the, the um, exact times, but we grew up within... She's a little older. <laughs> but we grew up within like 15 miles of each other. We both did theater. We both did speech and debate wow. in like Texas, North Texas high school, which is a very specific culture, you know, that we've both been. That's like Friday Night Lights, right? Very much so. Yeah, yeah. But Texas also care- like, like the arts version of Friday Night Lights, too. I mean, we would have these these high schools in that area have the most incredible drama departments in their high schools. They they have some better drama departments, better funded theater programs in high schools. Really? Yeah. What's Texas Friday Night Lights? Do? Sorry, Friday Night Lights is a film from the 90s that I think okay. they made into a television show eventually. By the way, yeah. one of the, I think it's the best TV show ever made. Mm-hmm. It's my, it's, it's, it's my really favorite. It's a good show. It's pretty incredible. I, I actually don't even know if it was a, Actual movie first. I think Why I may be thinking of Varsity show? Blues. That I think, we're it, I think, I think you're right. It's I think a right. book, right? Did it start Maybe book? it was a book. Yeah. And then it a TV but show? it is a, a very fine film. But it is kind of this football culture. But it also deals with just teen angst. And you yeah. know, I think there's there's race relations in there. I think there's coming out stories. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very real. It's very... And like it, when you're at this impressionable age, how do you express yourself? Yeah. You know, especially in Texas where it's like bigger. And mm. Texas does like... Football or sports and theater yeah. in a very massive scale. Wow. Yeah. And so North Texas is very much different than South Texas. Um, I don't have any. Well, it's like what's. Yeah. I mean, we're all talking about it now. I mean, it's in the like whole political zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's cities versus the rural areas. Right. Right. You right. Know, the, the cities, Houston, Austin, Dallas. You yeah. know, those are pretty. You know. Like Blue. suburban mm-hmm. uh, areas with with pretty cool, really great high schools. Yeah, and not to say that the rural areas are not like that, but I but mean, those places like... are more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I get a little bit hairy. Yeah, you yeah. Know? <laughs> I remember we went to. I don't, I don't even know if we can put this in there. One time when I was doing speech and debate, yep. we went to a, um, a a speech and debate tournament somewhere out in West Texas, and the mascot. Of the, this high school, they were called the Coons. Ooh! Ooh! And, and his, they still around because you know the Redskins just changed their name on. Oh my goodness! No, and I'm I, and, and we, but even we knew like I, like I was like 16, 17 years old. I knew that was like yeah. that's wrong. And this, it was like all over the halls. Like it was written like what, what was the mascot? Yeah. And um, yeah. like and here's the thing about Texas. Now I'm getting into this like one upsmanship game of like disrespect in Texas. I believe um, my high school, Mansfield High School, was the last high school in the country to desegregate. Mm. Are you kidding? Mansfield High School, yeah. Mansfield High School. Yeah. North and you guys Texas. never met while in high school though. No, never. That's never. crazy. Never. 
No, it's but you know, scary. segregation of high schools is looking kind of good at this moment now. I'm just saying, with the shit that's going on in the U.S., Unabomber shootings and whatnot. Well, but the shootings. <laughs> Sorry. Unabomber shootings. Yo, it's white people. Sorry, it's white people. They just say white people. <laughs> <laughs> take this up. Take this up. Do I just say white people? George George is sitting here as a person of color that isn't going to support taking away guns or background checks, but he will support segregation. I sure will. So he black wasn't people no black people coming in there with no guns, honey. <laughs> <laughs> no comment from the guests. They'd like to keep their careers. <laughs> this podcast silence. has been brought to you okay. by. Right, so, so I'm not. We may have to edit this out, but um, Toby ended up on Sense Eight season two because uh, I actually think it's a beautiful thing. I'm not going to name anyone's names. Uh, pretty much everyone in writing, production, directing, starring, assistance, stunt, gaffes, everyone. Uh, they had a situation where somebody was kind of blatantly homophobic. Mm. And uh, it was kind of a unanimous, we're not going to deal with this. And so Toby came on. And I met Toby when I was doing extra work for the Sensate movie. And I can't imagine my meeting you being much different than you meeting Brian. You're just like open and, hey, what's going on? Uh, hi, nice to meet you. I love you, you know? And if you can't deal with that, mm-hmm. you're probably the asshole. Yeah. Mm. And and um, I remember, I think he was the first person I locked eyes onto um, when I met, like, the rest, like, the eight of them. And the next day, my first day of shooting, I remember it was in this, remember it was in Mexico City. Oh, it yeah. was all of us with the tequila shots and everything. And, and you had had your your screen test, you, right? You had yeah, like kind of done your audition. I had had my audition and screen test, and they told me that, like, yeah, you're we're introducing you to the family. Wow. I'm like, oh, my God, okay. But, but I you didn't never, know if you had it. I, I never, I, I didn't know that I had it. And I oh, wow. went on set, and we were doing the scene, and Lana just, like, like trial by fire. Uh-huh. But, I re- but I remember, because there's something about Brian. There's this, like, silent presence and the silent confidence about him and I remember he was um I, I had no film or tv experience at all wow. oh really at wow. all you this just was his first it job. was it was just grad school and like six months grinding and then sensei wow. but I remember how I learned from him like I was like how do people speak on tv and then I remember <laughs> watching him so intently. It's very different than state. Yeah. It's complete. It's it's flatter, data. You know, flatter and data, flatter and data. You got to be flatter and data. <laughs> but but the the thing about Brian, which is still persists to this day, and for me in a more nuanced way, is uh, he controlled the room and and he puts you at ease in this not obvious way which I'm more prone to but there's such subtlety and nuance in him and I saw that in his performance and I was like okay that's oh that's how you do it mm. ah, I was like oh so so that's that's what TV and like film acting is okay 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 and I remember just seeing him and modeling well, trying to model myself after that once I saw him yeah Tobes. Hey, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be great if he thought that kindly of you? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I was going to say something nice, but I, I really can't think of it. <laughs> but to bring it back, it is very much different than the stage itself, you know, and then being on TV and film. And I, I think all of us have kind of worked on that. Can I just say this because yeah. he doesn't use this enough? Brian J. Smith is Tony nominated. Hey! Can we just talk about that? Can we talk about that? Yeah. Thank you. Damn. Tennessee Williams, the glass menage. Come on! Take me through that, Brian. Yeah. But uh, Toby. <laughs> uh, oh, Lord. Yes, young man. Well, oh, Lord. I, I will say, too, though, I'm honestly, so Toby came in when we needed someone to get us out of a really dark place as a production. And that's a hard thing to do, to change the morale, not just like of a room when things are going bad, if you're having a bad filming day, you know, it can take one person who's able to move against that stream to completely uh, get everybody back on track. I think we've all felt that. We know those kind of people. Toby came in and did it for an entire production you know the 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 mood changed and we needed it like on a on a really big picture level besides being like a, a fantastic actor i mean it's and it's also been really incredible to see how this guy has grown over the years like i 
like like you know like this role he's got in the matrix i can say this without like throwing anything away but or throwing it like um uh, giving anything away he he is like this glue actually that holds the story together on this like 220 million dollar studio big budget action sci-fi adventure and like doing it so amazingly and i don't know it, it's just been incredible to watch his journey and and uh, and even like the year we've had with like COVID. I mean, we can talk this about is that the too. Oh uh, man! Oh, we'll get in. We'll get in that. <laughs> I give him a twenty on another table. Twenty? A twenty? <laughs> Do you guys ever stop and and think? Um, because we're we're all semi around the same age, and you know, the first Matrix is now what 21, 22 years old. Do you ever sit there and think like, holy shit. I mean, I wanted to act. I am an actor. I have been acting. But I'm in the final segment of this. First of all, it's rare to be around anybody, much less friends with anybody who's created a canon. Um, but you're, I'm in the final chapter of this. Does that, is, walk me through the weight of that. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Neanderthal grunt. <laughs> I mean, I was 99. I would have been a, a, I think, a junior in high school, maybe a, maybe a sophomore. I think it was a junior technically. And uh, I remember seeing those movies, and I, I really, I cannot describe the impact. And I've seen, you know, like we all have thousands of movies in my lifetime, and especially growing up, that that film, like stayed with me and and even it became a part of our language at school with friends it's like you know oh no she's a little more trinity uh -huh. than, you know someone <laughs> wanted to be switch someone wanted to be neo of course you know i mean the bullet time and and the whole idea of the matrix and the red pill and the blue pill and the white rabbit all of it it became a part of our in north in this you know like in the suburbs in north texas it was a part of our our uh, lexicon yeah. the way we talked mm -hmm. to each yeah. other like and and um I think even in global lexicon it's been oh, people yeah. like, oh you're living in the matrix perhaps. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, completely. Uh, but but to be able to uh I mean if you had told that sixteen year old kid back there in, in Texas in like nineteen ninety nine that he was gonna, you know, be in those films and you know, doing fights and stuff <laughs> on wires uh, and uh, yeah. I, I I don't you know, you look back on your life every once in a while and you just you're just amazed how you get to certain experiences, you know. And a lot, I think we all spend a lot of time actually feeling bad about um, our our journeys. Sometimes I think that can be endemic in artists. Is that like, well, why am I not here? Like, why didn't I get to this? You better preach, on it. Come on. You know, I think we all do that. We all have our we all have our our you know where we thought we would be at a certain point. But then you. You know, you're talking about gratitude earlier. I heard you guys. You know, it, it's constantly checking in with the amazing, surreal things that are happening in your life, whether it's the people you meet or the projects you're working on that make you go, "My God!" Like I never in a million years thought I'd be in this city or doing oh, this job. Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I mean, every project. I think mean, as artists, every project, and as to go back to saying to being thankful for where you're at now and what projects you're working on or never having that knowledge of where what projects you will be working on is from the smallest project to the biggest project, they all mean something. Mm. Even if that's meeting one person in that small project or doing something life-changing in a bigger project Absolutely. as well. It's, it's, I think every art is validated no matter where you yeah. go and you will take something and cherish that for, for that moment that is in that moment doing that project. You I know, mean, did like, you guys ever imagine that you would be ending up in Berlin? I mean, did you ever see yourselves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my, I thought I would end up actually um, being in, in Paris. With thought, fashion? Uh, yeah, no, well, just being in Paris with fashion and just having this European uh, kind of French life. And then it didn't happen. And went to the dark as side. an American <laughs> who is not told that they should get a passport when you've like get your driver's license is I found myself just happening to 
by chance buy a ticket to Berlin and Amsterdam and that kind of like changed my fucking whole world. And I will tell you, Americans, if you are listening to this podcast, get you a fucking passport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When that lift is up, get your fucking passport and see the fucking world. Uh, you can, uh, if you need help, I will find the way to get you an airplane ticket because they're fairly cheap. Sometimes they're cheaper than flying from LA to New York, honey. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, that's, hold on now. That's like a five, $600 ticket. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, have flown, I have flown from Berlin to San Francisco on a round trip ticket for 325 euros. What? Yeah, yeah, Do y'all hear yeah, that? Yeah. Do you know why that is? I, I don't don't tell anybody the secret though. <laughs> yeah, <wait>. Skyscanner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see you. I see you. We'll put it in the link. I see you. <laughs> you gotta sit in the back row and yeah, hold yeah. that chicken. <laughs> It'll be cheap. Um, no, it's because of it's because of airport taxes. The the Europeans don't rape you on airport taxes. Mm. They do in the yeah. states. Like we pay a nine eleven, we pay a security, we pay a runway, we pay. a... The ticket prices are almost the same. It's the taxes. Mm. They pile up on time. Gotcha. I mean, I, to, the sky camp. To go back to before we were talking about cheap plane tickets, I never thought I would leave New York. Mm. I, I did mm. not see myself leaving New York. I got to Los Angeles. I wish I hadn't. Ah, <laughs> why is that? Um, LA is just a city for me that I, I don't think I was finding people that were deep enough in my same age range. Everyone. Mm. <laughs> everyone. I mean, everyone that I was... Uh, friends with or I could have these great the like what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode the conversations that we have and like these really open opinionated deep it's it's not about a new record or the hot club or whatever I wasn't having those conversations with anybody under 40 or 50 Um, you know and so for me it was just it was more about the the car in the driveway and you know what you were wearing and where you went and you know you have a conversation with somebody new and they'd ask you what gym do you go to Mm. Um, so I got to LA and I was like, Ooh, "These are these are not my people." Mm-hmm. And Berlin bound and ready. How long did it? Um, how long were you in Berlin until you realized, "Ooh, I think this might be my place and these might be my people." Mm. Probably about three to six months. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was it was very it was very quick for me. That's with the caveat that I was already here in two thousand and eight mm-hmm. to end of two thousand eight to mid two thousand and ten. So I'd already had this kind of taste it was not the berlin you see today mm. um it was very different mine was a week yeah a, a, week, week. a weekend because i flew into berlin that was like my my hub spot i spent a week here went to amsterdam and then from amsterdam i extended the trip and went to paris and london and then flew back to berlin but the moment i flew into berlin got into a taxi and i was like oh mercedes is picking me up oh y'all y'all don't have those priuses okay <laughs> and like <laughs> Mercedes picked me up and, and I like like I was like no but seriously like it was the smell it was the the architecture seeing the graffiti seeing the artists and then get into my place um, and then exploring I was like oh this is very much similar to San Francisco and the way that people vibe and how people were dressed and I was like oh I don't get it all but I get where you're coming from and this is where I need to expand. And like live out. So like coming back in the summer, I was like, okay, cute. Okay, I get it. I'm coming back. I'm living. Yeah. So uh, with that, we all love our wonderful Berlin. Uh, we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back. Uh, I want to get into uh, Toby's next life adventure because we're talking about cities. Damn. Um, but in the meantime, Damn. if you're looking for us, you can find us at Tipsy Bear Radio on Instagram. If you want to go straight to the suits at the top, our lovely voluptuous Danielle, you can send questions, comments, stories, voice memos at tipsybearradio at gmail.com. We'll be back in just a little bit. Keep enjoying your weekend. Hey. Call time is soon, so. I, 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 Welcome back to Tipsy Bear Radio. Sorry about that. Well, we are back in the kitchen. I am the beautiful voluptuous George and Rose's baby, and I'm here with my delightful co-host. Good lord, it's already off the rails. And I'm here with my voluptuous and delightful. Producer, Danielle. Say hi, Danielle. Hi, Danielle. And with us, we are delighted and honored 
to have two lovely guests back in our studio, Toby and Brian. Thank hey. you. Hey. Hey. Right, Yo, young man. I wish y'all could have been here for the commercial <laughs> break, but y'all have to <laughs> chime in later when we get some more subscribers into that Patreon so you can hear the behind the scoop shit. Yeah. Right? I'm telling you, like when we get famous from this podcast and we can have a studio audience. Are we famous now? Hey. Oh, we famous. Once Patreon. you get one subscriber, you famous. Hey. <laughs> as long as someone's listening and it ain't my mom. Amen. <laughs> so we uh, we went into the commercial break talking about, you know, living in Berlin and, you know, when did you leave this city and what city do you find home? And uh, I want to bring this up because. We've been through this, you know, for most people, I always have to say this, it's a, it's been a privilege. I've literally been privileged for my COVID experience. I, I live mm. in a, a social democracy. We've been paid through our shutdown and I've been able to get closer with friends and have these moments where the world stops and you get to actually just meet as people and not ships passing in the night. And I, I think part of that might be the result you and Brian getting even closer. I mean, you guys are majorly close, but even closer. Did that weigh upon your decision to, when you leave Berlin, move to New York City, Toby? I mean, I'm, I don't want to disclose exactly where this man lives. No. But, <laughs> no, no. But right, I, right, right. But I think I will be, ideally, as at this moment, moving within a 10-minute walk from him. Oh, um, please. Yeah, within please. a 10-minute walk. Um, That's so sweet. That's amazing. No, it's like really amazing. Like, I love that. Because, you know, from what I've heard of New York, New York is kind of a, which is interesting, an isolated, lonely place, even when you consider it's one of the, it is the most densely populated city in mm -hmm. the country, but everybody feels so isolated. Um, and like Brian and I chose to stay back from March till, when did we start shooting again? Like July, June? Uh, we we shut down. Well, we got we got into Berlin on March the sixth, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And March sixteenth was our shutdown. And so, yeah, within within ten days, uh, we had shut down, and yeah. That's and and from that March till June, July, what? Did you guys? Sorry to interrupt you. Did you guys have a conversation about like you're gonna stay? Oh yeah, constantly. Stay? Oh, we were past <laughs> it. I mean, we were like shoulder to shoulder about that, and. I believe that had he gone home, I definitely would have gone back to Los Angeles. So it would have been such a different year. Oh, oh my man, God. Man. Well, you know, Lana says, always say yes. Always say yes. Yes, and. That's yes. like hey. Lana's big thing. Always yes say yes. And. and, you know, I remember the, um, the like, uh, when was shut down? 16th? The March, March 16th. Yeah. I remember we were like walking up and down the streets of like Kudam. Oh my and God. And it was a ghost town. And it felt so eerie and i think more so eerie because it's not like it's not a thing where everybody's disappeared everybody's here just inside yeah. you know so it's this weird kind of ghost town and we're like oh my god this is oh but and we had this like bizarre experience of being like the last two <laughs> people <laughs> in the sophie tell yeah oh right i remember that and there was wow. nobody else. It was him and me and the two people working the front desk uh, and maybe, you know, uh, whoever was in the kitchen doing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Getting our chili con carne. Yeah, and, <laughs> totally. You know, as, ki as a kid, that might sound cool, but then when you realize the gravity of that, yeah. we were, like, keeping them... I mean, we weren't keeping them afloat, but the reason why they didn't shut down, I would imagine, as quickly as they did, is because they, have they had two patients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it was terrifying oh, it's like so palatial scary. living like oh. you're just yeah yeah they're cooking for you they're doing your sheets they're doing your and you're hearing about the numbers of this unprecedented i mean unprecedented in our lifetime in like the last you know 50 years, years thing and like every night we would go for like a walk just to make sure that we were also checking in with each other and just to get some fresh fucking air mm. and then when we decided to stay we moved to a different place and it was still terrifying, but then we also got to experience Berlin as residents. Hey. You know what I mean? Yeah. And oh, y'all, listeners, be careful what you ask for, <laughs> because I think after a night of Bergheim or one of the New Year's, I was saying to Brian, oh, what would it be like if we lived here for a while? Mm. Well, wow. <laughs> well, you spoke to the universe and the universe said, bam, bam, hey, bam. and the universe said, I'll give yeah. you that. Just look at the fine print. I was like, eh, eh, eh. no, 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 just give it to me. But we were able to experience the city as residents and 
go to like uh, the, the Brandenburg tour with nobody there, with some of our friends and... Listen to that German accent. Yeah. It's there. <laughs> I hope I don't lose German it when I leave. But we got to, you know, experience it as residents and you have... I mean, the the beautiful, rich nightlife culture of the city is really enticing and beautiful. But when you get to see it outside of all the vibration, you get a different perspective on it. And I've really fallen in love with the city. Well, because sometimes there's this point in Berlin, and I think this this beauty and this privilege I talk about of, you know, not having to be stressed through COVID and worry about my, my house, my business, my money, stuff like this. And a lot of people did have to go through that. When you do the nightlife in Berlin you also sometimes need so much recovery time mm. that you don't get to experience Berlin. Mm-hmm. So once that thing of the clubs being shut down and even bars being shut down, just walking around this beautiful, and I got to tell you, as far as Europe's concerned, clean, clean, clean city. What are you looking at? What are you walking at? <laughs> the fuck you at? Because this city is, is Honey, dirty as fuck. When's the last time you were in Paris? Wait, but compared it's to like, but, but like compared to like the Nordic cities, this is not a very oh, yeah. place. Well, compared to like Amsterdam Paris and, and Cologne, it's like spot, Berlin is is filthy. No. It ain't New York. I mean, you don't see a bunch of big rats, but it, it does have <laughs> it does have a sense where it's like not New York or Paris where it just smells funky. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Except if you go to Vasharastrasa. Damn. <laughs> you can put on notice. But there's also there's also something that this kind of city allows you to have and it's these special relationships you know like i always tell people i i got close with toby through brian you know uh, danielle and george got close with both of them through me and stuff but brian and i were able where it used to just be hanging out at a friend's place or a club or something like that see each other in passing be nice to each other hang out at each other's apartments for a little bit and then it was kind of and gone mm-hmm. you know like we actually got to have nights together like hanging out and talking about shit and your family and brian's got new dogs and you know shout out to pip and lulu <laughs> i miss your babies <laughs> daddy be home next week so out outside of this phenomenon that is this pandemic it's got to be hard for you guys to you know go to all these different cities in the world and whether you're there for three days three weeks three months or a pandemic you make these relationships, but due to your careers in entertainment, you have to leave. Yeah. What's, what, what, I mean, I don't even know the, the question in there. Tell me about that, the weight of it, the, how you deal with it. Do you stay in touch? How you stay in touch? And it's kind I, of a question for both of you. <laughs> how do, well, yeah, I, I, when we started coming here, I, I would say it started happening more in season two of Sense8. I started to kind of branch out, make my own friends in Berlin, you know, mostly from nightlife and going out, which was new for me. I mean, I, you know, I'm a drama school kid. I'm a theater nerd. You know, it's a different approach to your health and Completely. your, <laughs> you know, getting your yeah, like yeah, yeah. eight, nine hours of sleep and you live like a monk. And I decided, you know, I wanted to have a different kind of experience. So I, I don't know. I I um I, I ended up making a circle of friends in Berlin that I actually have to say all this time later I'm still in contact with and still see, and they've been a part of it during the the COVID experience. And there's been other cities where you know you're yeah, especially for Sensei, we would we would be there for maybe three weeks at a time, two weeks at a time, and you. A, a, a kind of lovely thing happens is it, it's a kind of Buddhist experiment in having a very clear end date to close physical relationships. Right. Mm. You really get used to the, to the idea of impermanence. You can, you can preface your relationship. Yeah. Later. And you say so many goodbyes mm-hmm. and you have so many profound experiences with people that come to natural endpoints that in a way it kind of prepares you for life in general. Mm. You know, you don't get too attached to... Ooh, that's deep. It's hey, deep. Hey, hey. But, but it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, because you, you don't find yourself getting so emotionally attached to... Like, like even this whole experience, right? Like, I, you know, we're going to be gone next week. Mm. But I know, I know. <laughs> but I, I, it also doesn't distress me, I think, is as much as things like that used to distress me. Because it's not a goodbye, it's a see you later. It's a see you later. And also, it's just that, you know, listen, if we were staying here and moving here, you know, you you would, you lose perspective when you're in one place too long, you know? I mean, like, 
I love being a gypsy. I love being yeah, a, I love being a nomad. It's the thing about acting that is such a gift is that you are constantly in motion. You know, you're never static. And and that's necessary, I think, for we're not meant to be in one cubicle or one place for too long. It's good to get out, get fresh air and meet new people. It's a good thing you never did cats. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. I think this is also um this also brings about the topic of communication because, I mean, considering the relationship we've had and how rich it is, I mean, even with Brian, I, everybody at this table, I could go three, four, five, six months without texting you. I probably won't, but that's within the realm of possibility. Yeah. But I know that no matter what time or space has happened, you know, like Brian could forget my birthday and I'd be cool with it. February 1st. <clears throat> <laughs> No, but like if it's, it's in my be- phone, it's in my phone <laughs> because of the richness and the nuance of the relationships we've had. Yeah. When we do connect, it's like we're picking back up. Hey, and that's Amen. I mean, we're talking about this. Yeah. That's that's something that I really value in relationships because it's not um, not to say that it's not to say that this constant um, back and forth of communication is dominion. But people change. Things change. You change. You have different perspective, different experiences influence you and I don't um, I don't know there's this pressure of we're friends so we have to talk all day right. like, things things change well and, let me ask you uh, this then I guess do you think you were able to forge these beautiful friendships that's happened with all these different people that you you two have brought people into my life <laughs> that I didn't otherwise know in Berlin do you think you were able to get this deep into those beautiful friendships? because it was communicated that this is how the friendship's going to go? Or do you think you were able to just get into those relationships because those were those people anyways? Those are those types of people. You could just read and be like, this motherfucker's going to be cool if we don't talk in six months. Or because, like Brian was saying, you were able to just be like, you know, eventually, yeah. we don't know when, but I'm leaving. And they were cool with it. Well, it's, I think it's it's really mostly the latter. I mean you really learn to be in the moment mm. and and not worry about the end point of anything. I mean, you, you meet people, you vibe with them, and it's like this tumbleweed that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger in your life, you know? But it's, you know, you, there's there's no desperation to make things happen in relationships with people. It's, you know, it's what I love about, like, these nights that we've had this, this uh, spring and summer especially. It was just, you know, people come and go at the house and hang out and, you know, I mean, the other night we had people for, and I fell asleep in the living room, oh, oh. you know, and, and then just like finally just like went off and went to bed. You were out. <laughs> I was you out. I was done. Out. But he comes back and, and the same three people are still having a conversation. Yes. And he comes it. back in and matriculates and now it's like a four way. Oh. He's yeah, like, it's like, you he's like I've had my four hours of sleep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I totally. My well, I think the older that we get, we start to realize that the relationships that we do connect with are a little bit more important. Even if we do grow apart and you know you will stay connected. But now as you get older, you start to filter out all of the other people who you feel like they may just leave in the next week or so. And I mean, look, older people tell me me that like when you get to a certain age, it's hard to make relationships. Yeah, It's very hard to make relationships because then you have work, you have a family, you have all these other obligations and you're setting your ways and then people don't feel as vulnerable or open to like just go up and talk to you. They're not trying to repeat 30 more years of what they just lived to a new person. Because it's, it, you know, it asks something of you and maybe it not, it might not cultivate or culminate into something rich so they don't want to go there so they'll stick with their friends and the people that they have or their routine or their tradition so well it's also the beauty of a true friendship is to support someone in their journey right mm. and the only way somebody's going to do the best way on their journey is unencumbered right so if they feel that they have to call or text you or answer your messages every single day it's that idea of I'm not the most important person in the room sort of thing Mm. is a show of friendship. Mm. Like when you get around to us talking, I love that we're talking and that's great, but I'm not going to guilt you 
for, you know, not being in the same city, talking to me every day. Because then what do you have to share? Mm -hmm. I, I find the best friendships I have are when I go anywhere between a week and a year of mm -hmm. not talking to somebody. And then you've got a lot to catch up on. How you been? Oh, my God, you're pregnant. Oh, you got a new job. Oh, you moved. And um, in certain instances in my life, that that need to talk every day and, and constantly communicate is a reflection of an insecurity of hey. you don't know what the relationship really is. And you're lonely. And you're lonely and you're like projecting these things and you're then, yeah, that insecurity is, um, I feel so very secure about like the relationships at this table, like I said earlier. And that being said too, like yeah. the idea of having Toby in New York for me is such a big deal because I, a lot of my friends in New York have gone off to do other things. They've moved out of the city. Um, you know, theater relationships are interesting because they're they're so intense, but they kind of tend to dissolve like after a little while. Well, they've all dissolved now, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, totally, yeah, it's true. <laughs> Not to be the bearer of bad news. <laughs> But the idea of, you know, of having someone from like, because I've always been the only Sense8 kid, you know, in New York. I, I've been the only one there. So to have to have Toby there, oh, my God, would just be, for me, so great. Well, you guys also, I mean, Lana did a great job of bringing the kind of Sense8 family as whole as possible into Matrix. And now there's other people. Oh, yeah. So like, when you and Toby go back, Jonathan will be there. Mm -hmm. And John, yeah. Neil Patrick Harris will be there, mm -hmm. you know. Can I talk about a historic moment though for sure. Toby? Mm. And this is is shooting off of not since eight or the matrix, but Empire. Yes, 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 yes. You yes, had yes. a very historic moment. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. Of the first oh, man, ever so long ago. black gay <laughs> God, that's wedding that so happened. Long ago. I know, but this is this I is. I love that you're bringing this up. I know oh my because goodness. I, I when I found out about it, I was like. No, there has to be other things. Yeah, like, we've we've had so many television shows and movies. But isn't it wild? That, it is wild yeah, that this yeah. particular show, Empire, yeah. that has to do with hip hop, mm -hmm, religion, mm -hmm, black community, mm -hmm. and 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 how families uh, just energies grow, especially for the black community, mm -hmm. to now have a first gay black wedding on national television for this particular show. Mm. Like that is monumental like and when i watched the scene because i know like <laughs> you got to be in there with shaka khan huh? oh man <laughs> and she's great she's she's great yeah she's I just, fantastic how was really? that moment for you it's it, it kind of feels like well i'm not gonna tell you how it's no no talk no 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 but no no but uh, also, it's like I'm winning the like, tony or this award that's just like prestigious but also a trademark to let people in the black community know that this is still possible yeah especially for the parents of, of Jesse's character, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, and I think it's uh, these things are important, especially if you consider the reach and the influence of Empire. I still have people in, um, like my dad's a teacher in Nigeria, and mm -hmm. some of his students would tell me, "Oh, your son is in Empire." Like that kind of stuff blows my mind, and you yeah. take it for granted, like this thing of uh, gratitude. But gratitude is a daily fight. Right, I don't want to say fight because that has a different connotation to it. But um, it's a daily responsibility. It, 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 ooh, They're ah. yeah. Mm. Really, it is a daily practice and responsibility because because of your aspirations and your own, you know, sense of self and whatever, you kind of lose sight of what you're really doing and who's seeing what you're doing. And it was um, kind of baffling that it was uh, what is it, 2019, that this was the first of its kind. But to your question, as to my experience, unfortunately, it was eclipsed by, you know, the whole oh, yeah. Smollett situation because that was and, you know, obviously I can't talk about certain stuff. Although I remember going through it. I was like, this is the worst thing ever. There's <laughs> nothing in the next 365 days that could ever match that. <laughs> COVID. <laughs> hey, look, no, you, <laughs> the universe listens to Brian. I think Brian's Bri like, don't worry, something's gonna come along. Make Brian foresaw all of this. Really? really? I can I tell you right now, everyone that had a very shit 2019 you can was very thankful for COVID. <laughs> well, this is true, yes. It, Brian, in, was it like February around yeah. that time? Yeah. He, in San Francisco. we were in San Francisco, we were filming. I don't wanna, you, you, go ahead. Talk, I don't, I, I, I knew something was gonna happen. I, I don't know if it, I did. I thought it was maybe going to be an earthquake, but like the big one while we like were. In San I'm telling you, he would constantly say, "Guys, 
the big one's coming. Something, something is coming. Yeah. Like this I, is while you guys were filming. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I even, we went to a restaurant where you can write a letter to your future oh. self and they put it in this bottle on the ce- ceiling. And I, in this letter, I was like, I don't know what it is that's coming. I don't know what catastrophe this is, but you're going to survive it. It's mm-hmm. going to be fine. I mean, really, I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I have a... Man, you really brought something in. No, really, and we yeah. thought it was an earthquake. I mean... I have an advanced search of dread, uh, a sense of dread when it comes to certain things like that. World or... Have you ever condition. been in an earthquake, Toby? You know, I've... Because you lived in California. For yeah, a I mean, I lived in LA and I would always kind of... Not always, but I would always feel the... always. I would feel these like tremors... I know that there was one night where I felt a legit ass earthquake because pictures were moving and it wasn't just you breaking the bed. <laughs> Watch hey. out now. Watch out now. But but it was this weird thing of, oh, is this an earthquake? Yeah. And then you start to hear all the sounds of like your desk moving and the chair moving and like the speaker moving, and you're like, oh, this is an earthquake and uh, uh. And Everybody, whenever there's like an emergency um, position or practice, really pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. No, no, really, because we take it for granted until that situation arises, and then what's the earthquake thing you're supposed to do? Like it's like duck and, duck it's, and yeah, cover? you go under like, um, like, like a table, table or something, yeah, under right? a table or like a, what is it? A doorway. A doorway. I heard get inside your cover. dishwasher. What's that? Get inside your dishwasher. <laughs> is that serious? Can you fit inside of a dishwasher? So, some I just read a story about some girl who got inside of her dishwasher for I think that big earthquake that was out in uh, Greece uh, just recently, and she she only survived because she somehow climbed inside of her dishwasher, and it everything collapsed around her, but the dishwasher was fine. She has no more stemmed glasses. <laughs> no more Chianti for you. Yeah, and it's a good thing she put all that you know dishwasher salt in there. Hey, what a, she, what yeah. a thing to think of. I don't know if that's an advertisement for like Miele or Bosch no, or yeah. like a PSA for the more you know. Get the I remember when we were uh, you. Uh, Toby came to visit. New York. Um, it was a spring of 2018 or nine, maybe 19 from for Mark's wedding. Yeah, it was like April. Yeah, April 2019. Yeah, yeah and we went to Whole Foods, and you oh, know, man. people were freaking out uh, about like Toby and Empire and like coming up and you know, like really like oh my god. Oh my guess, god! You're, uh, yeah, it was really. It, it was. It, it's, it's a huge really show. Cool. Both, yeah. Well, I mean, it's a huge show. Period. But L.A. and New York specifically, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the markets. But yeah, um, we have underrepresent. You have underrepresented people of color. Mm-hmm. Sorry, in those markets, yeah. so I think it's huge. And we knew, and it's so unfortunate. It's so unfortunate because I remember sending Brian and Lana this like New York Times article of mm-hmm. you know what we were doing, and it just so happened to coincide with all the you know the the situation that Jesse was in, that that, I remember that was one of the, like that day on set was terrible. It yeah, was, thank God for like us having to really be actors and like invest in the story because as soon as you step outside of set, you get, you're, there's people outside, there's like uh, cars, Full paparazzi. Full, right? I mean, this thing was international news, you know? And it's and you guys don't get mobbed much here by there's not a lot of like Berlin paparazzi like nah because they also don't like give a fuck and I'll be I'll be honest with you though like I was one of those like super progressive be on the side to help people and blah blah I fell for it hook line and sinker when it first came out Mm. and they were talking about you know the guys with the rope Mm. and the this and that and I was like oh my god this is horrendous what the fuck. Can we like <laughs> this might need to be cut out, but the, it's ugh. real talk. Yeah, hey. it's, it's just it's so the whole story is still I'm you know if somebody was to ask me about it I'm still trying to come to grips with it because I don't think there's any problem with if anybody was to say that they were attacked mm-hmm. right especially a friend my default is to believe what he said or what they said 100%. yeah you know. Monday through Sunday, that's my default, right? Right. And then you start to hear these things. And I remember I was I was on the plane coming from LA to Chicago to go back filming. Yeah. The night 
that the the incident in point happened, you know, and I was messaging him. So you might you know you might need to follow this, but it's well, just don't quote the messages. Give us I, exactly, the idea. No, I, yeah, yeah. no, no, but it was it was all <laughs> innocuous. Like, oh, I'm just coming back. To, we have a scene tomorrow. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And then you hear all this stuff, and but then you also see, like, we're on set, right? And before we start shooting a scene, he uh, Jesse comes out, and it's been like a fucking like whirlwind for him and he says whatever you know he speaks candidly and he's like hey yeah. guys i don't know what any of y'all think i don't know what any of you know this has been the worst week of my life but i've been working with y'all for the last five years i've grown up with y'all and i love y'all and i just want to do this and i know it might be weird for everybody it's no more than it is for me but I love y'all and I want to do this because this is why we're here. And it was a beautiful, That's heartfelt, incredible. Mm-hmm. The beautiful That's heartfelt message, right? And everybody claps and everything. 15 minutes later, his assistant is showing me this article. Jesse begs Cass to forgive him. And oh. da-da-da-da-da-da. Wow. So you really see like the the things at play. And it's it's very, it's it's weird, you know? It's so weird. And ah, Well, it's something Brian and I have talked about that like, I don't think people realize everyone looks at anyone who's in a movie or a film or a television show stuff like this and i don't think they realize you whether voluntarily or involuntarily you give a part of yourself up to the public you know when we had andrew here for his interview he said listen being on social media as an actor i don't do it i don't have an instagram i don't have a facebook because it's like giving everyone in the world an axe and putting your head on the chopping block. You said block. an axe. An axe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's and putting your head on the chopping block. Not everyone's gonna try and chop your head off, but it only takes one person to swing the axe and cut your head off, you know? So I but I you know, sorry, I was diatribing. <laughs> but I was talking with Brian. You guys go through this thing that I don't think anybody understands. Like you you give yourself over. You're just doing your art, your craft, what you love, but you're out there. The rest of the world sees you. Well, yeah, but also you're a part of something, mm-hmm. you know, and you're, you're, you're in an ensemble. I mean, even if you're the lead character, you're a piece of a landscape um, and you're all you're doing is and all you can do is contribute your corner of that landscape mm-hmm. and polish that piece of the tile. And it fits in with, you know, the, the, the set designer who's just as worried as you are about your performance, yeah. that his set is going to be great and the sound design yeah. and then director and the producers and the writer they're all everyone everyone you know knows that their work is contributing something great to it and and as an actor you have to keep that in mind too because it's also where your safety is yeah if you, if you think that it's all about you and which can be really hard to do on a film set when you got you know cameras pointed at you and three booms you know over your head and everyone's looking at you you can think that you know, that moment is the most important you thing that's going to happen in that film. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And it's not, you know, the, your safety is always in your being a part of the whole enterprise. And what I think is where actors get in trouble is they they really start to, because you're surrounded by agents and man, and not, mine are not like this at all. And Shout out to them. Yeah. But They're like, great human um, beings. They are. <laughs> but like, you know, like a lot of people get surrounded by agents and managers and even producers and whole studios who are telling them that they are, they are more important than Jesus Christ. And they really believe it. And they're getting paid like they are. Right. And, and that's where the fear gets in. And that's where the ego comes in and the assholery that comes in that has to defend them from the fear that they're feeling because it's terrifying to be up on that pedestal and the the antidote is to know that you're part of an ensemble and you are a small piece of a puzzle so although that's the antidote to know you you went to a school that's kind of like the harvard of performing arts and whatnot but unlike anyone anyone who's gone to harvard always puts harvard into uh, the conversation oh, I, I i put that juliard <laughs> stamp on it whenever i can Are you kidding me? please see that's what i'm getting at i don't feel like you mentioned juliard almost ever i feel like we were friends for two years before i knew you went to juliard because that's because the craft talks for itself and there's a security yeah, it's there's like, a secu- yeah. Wow. I believe you know that a- I don't know about. No, no, no. I, mean, but, 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 I don't know. Like, I wish I felt that. But, but I, I mean, and this is all outside perspective, and we all shout out to Aaron. We all have our personal revolutions going on. But if you believe it to be true, I don't believe you need to say it. Come on, Martin right? Luther King. Nobody will ever take away from him the 
you know, the prestige of the university that he went to, because that's a fact, that's a given. It all speaks for itself. <laughs> right. No, it all speaks craft, for itself. But, in, but also, your your craft speaks for itself, it does. too, because you went to uh, University of uh, UC San Diego. Yeah. University which is a prestigious, yeah. a very prestigious UC school, mm-hmm. like top for their arts in California, Absolutely. as it is Juilliard. As that, your craft speaks out that you don't say, I'm from UC San Diego, boom, boom, boom. This is what they do here. Because when you see it, you're like, oh, this shit is tight. This shit is clean. It's professional, right? And it shows on the outside. So having to to speak on whatever school you went to, I think is kind of absolute bullshit. And especially being an artist as well, too, it, it really doesn't show much. So... No, but I mean, as, as Toby said, like the the craft speaks for itself. Speaking about Brian as a very humble person, and then George had to step in and compliment him. <laughs> um, but going back to what Brian was saying about just polish the tile and be part of it, what is, because we do have listeners that are, you know, actors, artists, performing artists. What is it within you? What is it mentally? What do you think about that keeps you? from thinking you're Jesus Christ overpaid or keeps you remembering, just polish my tile and be part of the mosaic. Because it's easy to look at your careers at this age and be like, of course. What is it that keeps you modest? What it's never do? enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. never enough. I mean, every actor, artist, or whoever has got, I mean, I think the secret, and no one really talks about it, is everybody's got this, like, kind of, it's never good enough. And I know this from people that have won Oscars and mm-hmm. Emmys and done it all, is that they don't believe it. Yeah. They don't believe that award. They don't mm. believe that good review. They, it's never good enough, you know? I know for myself, I mean, I've, it's, I haven't even gotten uh, close to what I want to do. Not even Amazing. close. Yeah. And, and that can be very painful sometimes and very awkward and a little bit humiliating and embarrassing, you know, but, but it's also the thing that keeps you going like that. Combine that with like, just you make a decision. This is what I'm going to do. I'm not getting off this train. I'm going to stay on it. It's going to suck. Sometimes I'm not going to have money. I'm going to, you know, you know, people are going to think I'm terrible or whatever, you know, that kind of dedication paired with just, this thing that eats away at you knowing that you can do better is what drives people to make stuff that that they think is beautiful and moves them mm. you know and for me that that's that's what it is is mm. just trying to just trying to be excellent you know yeah and your idea of excellence changes over time mm. with all the different hey, pieces of it's information it's a moving target you, yeah it's it's not stagnant but you as know? it should right? yeah you know it's you as an artist aren't stagnant and you also yeah. have to be careful with yourself and be easy with yourself. Um, you, it's like people are beholden to this one image of success and success changes over time you, because you change over time. The circumstances that you're faced with, you know, change you and why not be receptive to that, you know? And I mean, everything that Brian said, I echo the sentiment. Um, this is why I think they should abolish all of the award shows. Oh, I totally and agree. I, like the Tony, the Emmy, the Oscar. I think it's complete bullshit. I think all of that stuff to say you are the best um, and you are the best is because there are multiple best. And it, it you guys agree? To, no, and and I think this is this is I think the whole award system mechanism is I think the Texas system in particular yes. is a microcosm of every, because you Wait, are hold on hold on for the people listening at home because i don't know this no, Ex- explain the texas system. so so brian and i grew up in the culture of like uil which is university interscholastic league one act play and speech and debate mm. where you basically it's competitive art mm. right which kind of sounds like like i mean not oxymoronic, but art really shouldn't be competitive. competitive, and there's no intrinsic right or wrong of art. There it should is, be cohabitational. You know, mm. it, it is what it is, and so you you um, train yourself to be to have the best piece and the best art. And while there are many benefits of that, because you read these beautiful plays and you meet these beautiful people, and you train yourself and craft, and you know, you hone yeah. yourself as an actor, you kind of do it for a purpose, you know, to be the best, 
and to uh, get the best thing and to get the best product. And so then you, if you look at like the award season, you would think, and maybe this is too like utopian, that you could put art out there and then after that, that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You know? Completely. But now there's this thing of whose, Competition. whose art is better, yeah. which yeah. art reflects the community the best. And then it becomes like a value system, you know? Like this Oscar means that you, this art piece of art was intrinsically better, which is just kind of, it's also reflected in America and blah, nah, 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 I gotta nah. tell you guys, it is extremely refreshing to hear your desire to kind of abolish the the award shows and whatnot. I feel like we're in a masterclass of acting right now. <laughs> it's like, great. This is so amazing. <laughs> and you know what? We're gonna continue the so, masterclass. Do you have a place to stop for a break? Yeah, yeah. We're gonna continue this masterclass after a break because I we need, need to, some more wine. Are we gonna do like some scene study? Did you guys prepare monologues? <laughs> Ibsen. I want your Ibsen monologues now. <laughs> <laughs> we're not sure if we're gonna break this into two parts because we love these people so much. We're just having a good time. We're gonna hey, keep talking. So amen. You're listening to Tips of Radio with Papa Bear, George and Rosie, and Danielle. And remember, no matter where you are, somebody loves you. Bye.